0: Gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK.
1: Uh, here we are on the first official day of spring. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Look outside. I think for the bulk of the country, it doesn't look like it today, unfortunately. No, we've nah, been not spo- at all. We've been spoiled all year. So oh, yeah, I'm not I'm gonna, gonna, I won't complain too much. They will complain, but, you know, not too much. But, uh, yeah, here in the Beer Geeks, we have another great show this week. We are joined this week uh, with Mystic Brewery. We're talking to founder and brewer, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying this right because it's always those weird kind of German names, but Brian Greenhaugen or Hagen or Hagen, I'm, I always pronounce the German ones because I, I want to go to, like, the authentic, like, Hagen, but I don't always know. I
2: bet we'll a couple out.
1: shillings on Greenhagen. That's that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> the Shekels. old shilling there. Shekels. It's over <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, Mystic's another great brewery from the Massachusetts region. That was one when uh, we had our weeks off. George and I went up to the around the Boston region, and that was one of the breweries we actually visited. So it was a really cool place. They are doing some really nice things in the city that uh, rent is fairly high, so it'll be interesting to talk to them about how they're doing all that stuff. So a lot of cool things. But uh, before we get into anything else, let's get into a little bit of news. Now, one of the things that made headlines this week was the announcement about Cigar City being picked up by a private equity group, Fireman Capital. But it... it it's weird because you, you kind of depends on where you're looking at stuff because it was kind of underneath Fireman Capital under Oscar Blue's holding. Because Oscar Blue's holding, like the, the Oscar Blue's as a company is uh, majority stake is owned by Fireman Capital, and that's kind of how they're doing it. So in technicality, it's kind of like Oscar Blue's picked up Cigar City. Mm, it, it, yeah it, it, Whatever it is, but the, the whole thing is um, they they did that, and this is – I don't remember how many now. Oscar Blues has a couple under their belt. Because that's basically what's happening now. And we've talked about this before and we've talked to other brewers about this. uh, With the large breweries kind of aggressively going out and buying craft breweries, which we... I haven't actually seen it in a while, but don't don't wait too long, we'll see
2: another one. <laughs> well, sure. you know, spring's coming, everything's yeah. <laughs> That whole like rush to buy breweries is kinda uh, yeah. over with. But um the old I mean the old saying is where there's smoke, there's fire for, for over a year you've heard rumblings about Cigar City. Yeah. Mostly from A B and Bev to the point where Cigar City actually like poked jokes at it and like putting like an A B and Bev sticker on their windows <laughs> yeah. at at the brewery. But here's the thing. Usually when things like that come up, it, it, there are things happening. Yeah. So this might be more of a Duvel gut kind of like let's protect, team up and yeah. protect ourselves kind that, of thing.
1: That's what this really is, and that's what Oscar Blues has been doing. They've they've got uh, a couple breweries that they picked up under their belt, and that's the reasoning behind it, and they've talked about that. There's, it's basically they're picking them up to, to help them protect them, so it's kind of just circling the wagons basically what they're doing right now. And they've already hinted that there are future going to be being announced very soon too. So there's going to be a couple others that are going. That's really what I think you're going to see a lot of the crap brewers that aren't getting picked up by the larger breweries. You're going to see them kind of starting to merge more and more together as a way to protect themselves and, and keep that from happening. And that's really where it's going to go. And then I think after that you're going to see some of the smaller breweries that are very, very small that haven't been able to sustain themselves as much are going to kind of... Start to fall away And that's what you're gonna Just the normal business That's really what's going on
2: Yeah Future Happening beer name, by the way, so anybody out there, <laughs> have at it.
1: All right, another announcement uh, from another brewery that we had on the show. Wicked Weed made the announcement this week that they're opening a second sour facility in the Asheville, North Carolina region. Uh, now, we, when we talked to them, they had the whole Funkatorium, so I don't know if this is going to be Funkatorium number two, but the new facility- Part, part de. Yeah, Funkatorium <laughs> part de. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's going to be 57,000 square feet, so- So it's, it's not, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a big thing that they're doing. And like, they're really, you know, we, we, when we had them on the show, um, the buzz was really gathering for them and it just quickly just like how treehouse has been like they have just really quickly grown and but they have kept two separate brewing areas for a sour and then for the regular because they have a really good following for their IPAs as well.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it, you get I get it. It's a lot like not to diminish like hops in any way but hops are more like um like if you're going to make an instant kind of thing it's like you're you know you're, you're putting it in a boil or you're dry hopping stuff when you're dealing with yeast <clears throat> you're dealing with Time, Mm -hmm. So you need to have space. You need to have time to work. I'm sure we'll hear a lot of that from, you know what I mean, Mystic today, because that's what they do. So it's like you understand why they just need more room is essentially what they need in order just to make sours, you know? Yeah,
1: and then especially with the the volume that they're doing, because they've also, on top of this, they've been making announcements slowly. They've been going into other states for distribution. So they are picking up a lot of things for them, which is great for them. I mean, they're a really great brewery. Uh, Another brewery made an announcement this week, Stone. Now, we we reported this last month about them making the announcement uh, that they're going to be releasing their breweries coming out of their new German facility in Cairns. Uh, And I I think it... I kind of think it pissed off some people because in the US <laughs> people have been wanting that for a while and then when they made the announcement they're doing it in Germany it was like, "What what the heck?" So they uh now made the announcement that the US is going to have it, it's going to be here just in time for the summer. Uh the first one they're going to be having is the Stone IPA and then the Stone Go-to IPA. So they're going right out of the bat uh with, you know, two two IPAs that are really big sellers for them.
2: You knew it was coming. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And, but it's just a lot of um you know, veruca salt. Like I want, I want it now. Do you know what I mean? Americanized, like why? Oh, they meant have... the '90s
1: band. The oh band no, theory. no, no! I'm talking about the Wonka,
2: son. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, we want one we want when we want it. So yeah,
1: yeah. No, that that you kind of knew when they made that announcement. Uh, you were just kind of waiting, like they're going to make that one that's coming to the U.S. soon because you don't want to do that and just piss off a whole bunch of people. And I mean, not that I think if anyone's going to do that, it's going to be Stone and they're not going to care. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that, that's where they're coming out, so that'll be out just in time. For the summer, uh, some other new beers that are coming out now—they're starting to hit shelves. Uh, Avery has their coconut porter. Now they had the vanilla bean stout; they put on the twenty-two ounce ba- uh, bottles that was a uh, barrel aged. This is another one. This is a rum barrel aged coconut porter, and I believe that's going to be in bomber bottles as well. They've really, really upped their barrel program. I didn't look
2: at the ABV. Is it is it's it more a, of an imperial porter or base porter? It's like it's an ca- imperial. I think it's like nine point. Okay. remember. that makes sense. then. yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, co- it's, coconut and. Come oh, yeah. baby.
1: Yeah, I mean, come be. on now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Southern Tier. Uh, they're salted caramel imperial milk stout. And a lot of people love their chocolate, and there's just a whole slew of ones that kind of fall into that. So that's kind of falling into that with the little hints of salt and can caramel mixing in with the, the Southern Tears
2: is not too far away from Genesee, so that's kind of a funny <laughs> thing to look at. Oh, I didn't even Do think about you know what I mean? That, yeah. Like the distance, not too far away. George knows all about that. So well, th- that's interesting because that. <laughs> this started off salted caramel automatically. Yeah. I think of yeah. the Genesee offering, so I'm, I'm, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, a traditional
1: brewery, Rodenbach, made the announcement that their Alexander, this is a beer that they've had for quite some time, that they haven't released it in 16 years, uh, is going to be coming back. It'll start hitting the shelves next month. Uh, It's kind of a blend. I think it's like two-thirds of a two-year-aged with one-third fresh, I believe it was, and with cherries added into it. So it'd be interesting. I mean, like Rodenbach's kind of the one that got a lot of people into the whole sour
2: brewery. I think that's kind of the the lead-off one. It'd be cool to see them a new but old offering. Yeah, it's nice to see old stuff come back. Plus, I mean, yeah, Rodenbach's like the, um, it's like the Chimay of the sour world. It's yeah. like, a, you know what I mean, the big yep. of the uniques or, or, or old schools, you know? So. so
1: what we have now, we're we're getting into some of the beer we have from Mystic. Uh, the first one we have in our glass room now, this is their table beer. This is, uh, what, 4.3%, I believe, the yep. ABV. I don't have it in front of me. Yep. But just like a really... This is what I love. Like, when we had uh, my two roads on, some of the brews, and we got into these traditional saisons, the whole thing with that is you want it to be very, very light. That's what they were brewed to be. Like, this is not a beer that you're going to sit and get... For schnockered with, you know, it's something to kind of sit and enjoy while you're doing other things. It's a very light, super, super easy drinking beer, but really, really flavorful, and that's
2: what you want. Like that saison yeast is really just showing, shining right through. It's all about the yeast, and that's like one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a, a fan of this brewery and dig this brewery. There's so much to be done with yeast. I mean, you hear a lot of people like breweries talk about, or people mention, you know what I mean, uh, spontaneous yeast and wild yeast. They automatically err towards sours. Yeah. It's not the case. You can get so many awesome flavors, non-sour type flavors from, like, funky yeast. So it's fun to taste something this small with that much flavor all from the yeast. And it's really cool, too, with, you know,
1: we'll get into this with Brian. Mystic actually has a, a house yeast strain that they spent time putting together as what they want even before the brewery opened. So they really, really honed in on on making sure this comes through. So this is just a really nice showcase for that yeast having it in this really light 4.3 ABV. That, that's really the flavor punch that you're getting from it is all coming through from the yeast. But this really light multi background with it but it's it's just so easy drinking it. that's what you want for me like I love I love a lot of the american saisons that have come out but it's just nice to have this really light beer that has that flavor profile
2: I have the searing I'm curious I'll ask Alaska I'll Brian when he comes on if I have time but the th- it's hard for Americans to nail Belgians in the States, I think. They yeah. nail them, you know, get what I call the Belgian soul in their beers. And a lot of them, a lot of the breweries that do this tend to be in like more like dank moisture, not hot wise areas like yeah. the Oregon, um, Northeast, places like that. And I don't know if it's some, like they deal with a lot of, they want to do a terroir thing. I don't know if it's just that's how the environment is, so it, it lends itself more to like Belgian style, the yeast cultures in a way that it's yep. more Belgian like.
1: No, I mean it makes. I mean we do see a lot of American brewers take the styles on, but a lot of times they become Americanized. Not that that could be a good thing, but it's also a bad thing, because it's like, if you're getting into wanting to do this, you kind of want, you have an idea in your mind of what you want that flavor to be, and sometimes it'll detract from that when you're going aggressive with
2: them. Yeah, and there tends to be, but that's the thing, there's a lot of uh, delineation with that, like there's the American uh, stout, or an American style barley wine, there's a lot of Americanized put before a style, yeah. with Belgian beers or farmhouse sales, Is just farmhouse, or mm-hmm belgian there's no kind of connotation yeah be, there's you know. no de- delineation no de- separation of the style so it's it's sometimes when you go into it you don't know okay it's a farmhouse okay it's gonna be something you don't know what's gonna yeah. be in there really well we're gonna have a lot more of these kind of conversations when we come back
1: because we have on the phone with us uh, brian greenhagen from mystic brewery so we're gonna get into a lot of great things about
3: this phenomenal brewery so stay tuned here on wlk at the beer geeks be right back built for business waiting no one enjoys it With Comcast Business, you can do less of it. Because Comcast Business Internet is up to five times faster than DSL from the phone company, which means less waiting for things like security backups and file downloads. Plus, it's a better value when you select the fastest plan. So do what nearly a thousand businesses do every day and choose Comcast Business. Unless you'd prefer to wait. Switch to Comcast Business Internet, then add one voice line and TV for just $34.90 a month for two years, and ask about their low-price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. That's 800-501-6000. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends five thirty one sixteen. Restrictions apply. Equipment, taxes, and fees, including broadcast TV fee, extra. Compares Comcast one hundred megabits per second and twenty megabits per second DSL downloads.
4: If you're considering going back to school, ask yourself the following questions: Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University is the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers over 100 highly ranked degree programs, 100% online. You'll earn the same degree as you would on campus, from wherever you are, on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. For information, call 1-800-705-2776. Learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 90% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU online degrees, call 1-800-705-2776. That's 1-800-705-2776.
5: It's here. here hazelton kia america's newest kia dealership a brand new state-of-the-art facility a car buying experience so unique it will stop the other dealers dead in their tracks the grand opening of hazelton kia every new or certified pre-owned kia purchase comes with a lifetime of free oil changes And unlimited car washes. Hazleton Hazleton Kia. Kia. 701 Airport Road. Hazel Township. Showroom open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. Saturdays, 9 till 6. Express service open seven days a week. Hazleton Kia. America's newest Kia dealership. Always exceeding your expectations. Hazleton Kia is here. Visit hazeltonautomall.com. Are you looking for a job? Do you need a career change? The 2016 Employment Expo has hundreds of full-time and part-time jobs from area employers. Join us on Wednesday, April 6th from 9 to 4 at Mohegan Sun Arena. The Expo will feature a wide variety of resources to help secure your next job. Dress for the job you want and bring your resume. Call 570-342-7711. That's 570-342-7711. Or visit ScrantonChamber.com for more details.
1: Uh, nothing like popping a couple of corks on some good beers on a Sunday. Just that sound's always
2: enjoyable and it is, man. we got to get that on the air next one. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, we will. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for the next one. After the, the break, we'll, we'll <laughs> pop the cork on the next one so you Fake get it. to hear that fun sound. So, uh, joy on the phone with us now, we have founder Brewer from Mystic Brewery up in Chelsea, Mass., Brian Greenhagen. Brian, how are you doing today, bud?
6: Uh, very good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing
1: great. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it. It's Greenhagen, correct?
6: That's Greenhagen. Oh, way, oh right. man, we had an over it's not, under it's on not this. Not a real name; it doesn't
1: matter. Yeah, <laughs> it was, We are debating on the old German lessons how well they paid off, and I guess not so good. <laughs> so yeah,
6: then it'd be Greenhagen.
1: <laughs> so let's go back a little bit now. Like, your background prior to this was in in fermentation. What what yep. kind of got you down that path with everything?
6: Um, a series of uh, unfortunate events, basically. Um. <laughs> I started out with a bunch of creative uh, ventures early on. Before I could drink, I went to film school and failed out. I had a garage rock band when grunge died.
2: That failed, um, so I went. Grunge to never to died, by the way. <laughs> don't, don't say these things. I don't like this.
6: <laughs> well, the club we played at closed. So. Um, so I just I went back to school for biology, and I. Uh, I joined a lab that was doing research on plants and yeast, and uh, I just got obsessed with it and um, just wanted to learn as much as I could, and we would just brew on weekends, and uh, that's how I got into the beer aspect. But career your side, um, <clears throat> at the time when, in, in when the uh, opportunity didn't present itself to open a brewery, uh, went into industrial fermentation which is more it's just like brewing beer in many senses um except to make like different food products so i was uh, my job was to make various cultures for making different products so uh that's kind of the unique angle that i thought once i brew uh you know uh, professionally that i could kind of bring to it
1: so now, you got into home brewing a little bit, I saw, and like, did that immediately? Did you make that connection with what you were doing, and kind of starting out of the out of the gate, like a little more experimental, experimentary with your your beers that you're doing?
6: Yeah, at the time though, um, I really wanted to learn the first principles. You know, learn how to make classic styles, and uh, those were you know um, the most popular time anyway. And I just, to be honest, like. I made like 50 batches trying to copy Sierra um, Nevada Pale Ale <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's kind of where I went with that The again I thought learn the basics before going out into outer space uh, I'm kind of yeah, at that point now but uh, when I was home brewing it was, just, it was just Pale Ale after Pale Ale after Pale Ale trying to get it right and I was challenged uh, at the time I lived in Kentucky and the water is very hard, um, lots of calcium in the water and Stouts came out great, but pale ales were tough without an oh. RO system or anything.
1: Well, that kind of leads me... I was wondering if you were from, like, the, the Boston region, and did you grow up there, or did you just kind of wind up I
6: grew up. I grew up around New England. Um, I just wandered off back when I was young, thinking I didn't know what the rest of the world was like, so I just <laughs> wandered off and ended up in Kentucky. I worked at a bookstore uh, <laughs> for a long time, um, before getting into all the things I was just talking about. And uh, But... Um, I went to high school in New Hampshire and Connecticut, and the town I live in right now, just outside of Boston, my mom's side of family, actually, we've had family here for nine generations, so... Mm -hmm
2: have a homecoming. No no, you said you were constantly trying to hammer out pale ales and get that right, but you know, with Mystic being such a, you know, yeast forward f- you know, fermentation style beer, did you have an affinity for like the Belgian style, the farmhouse style beer before Olympia like, before then? You were just trying to hone your brewing skills or did you kind of find kind of Belgian style beers? That was we're
6: getting almost twenty years back and there wasn't a ton of stuff coming out. The, the the explosion of Belgian imports started, you know, in the late nineties. Yeah. Um and really ex- really exploded in the two thousands, turn of the century. So <laughs> there wasn't much <laughs> back then, you know, I used to <clears throat> uh take trips and get um uh three Floyds and stuff like that and that was kind of my awakening and then a few bottles of Chimay. Um, you know, that was that was it there's a place out there liquor barn that just that they were the first where they you know had these stores where you could really find tons of stuff and then i'd go to a place up in Dayton, ohio that had a lot of variety um so and then it was definitely it was the uh the lambics that started showing up and um sazon Dupont and then other farmhouse sales we discovered that and i went and my wife went on our honeymoon in, in Belgium and went around, checked out what it was like, and uh,
2: I kind of went from there. Was that, a we dec- was that a mutual decision, or was there a coin toss on that? On that so night no, it's was night. mutual, totally mutual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now a lot
6: wh- of people said, why, why do you want to go to dank, dark Belgium? What's wrong with you? And we're like, beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. End the <of> discussion.
1: <laughs> oh. So now, when did you make the decision to, to go into to opening up a brewery?
6: Um, I the field I was in there's you know a handful of jobs around the world I and mean, I I was like uh, I, I you know this I would rather you know do something on my own and um, I had learned enough at that point where I thought I could make a contribution and uh, so that's kind of where it started that was six years ago now wow. um, it took two years to get the get the thing open and then you know even once we were open we continue to experiment we've thrown uh 30 35 barrels of beer down the drain just just doing experiments just and that this is mostly not like oh what if I put lemon pepper in this beer this is like <laughs> you know spontaneous fermentations trying to figure out how to do um, traditional like lambic style approach to brewing and different mixed cultures and native cultures so um and, and we found that, if we can get a good barrel going, and that's kind of how we've been operating with our our wild ale program is just it's not that big because we get rid of anything that we don't like, if we really like something, we then try to like breed that culture into another barrel, so it's sort of exponentially has to you know to add a few more barrels to each um, program, each part, each beer in the program.
1: So, one of the things I have to ask, since you are kind of from around the region, why did you choose to set up where you were it 's not exactly known for a cheap uh, rent type area Wh- why What made you uh, choose the path to set up where you guys are
6: at well um, boston's super tough uh, Chelsea is has been traditionally a food production area mm-hmm. and There's the New England Produce Center where most of, well, a lot of the produce and restaurants around Boston, um, they come to there, basically a market for produce and a big one. And (laughs) we've seen a lot of people, you know, open up in sort of uh, quieter towns and stuff, and they would have a lot of trouble with, you know, the water supply. Like a lot of have to build like a water treatment station for the for the town eventually, and we're like this place can can hold it. The the um the water authority for Boston is is actually based in Chelsea, so <laughs> there's a uh, tons of really good quality water there. That was a big consideration, and it's not quite as expensive. It, it's very industrial in that area. It used, to be, it used to be quite nice. Um, there still parts that are nice, but it just, most of it burned down twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that'll happen. A bunch of uh, warehouses.
1: So one of the things, you know, I had lived up there, and when we went back up, when we, visited, uh, when we visited your brewery, it had been a while since I had been there, and the, the Boston beer scene itself has changed dramatically and very, very quickly. It, it, being that you're kind of there on the, the front lines, like what do you think led to that change? I mean, was it what was going on in New England, and, and it was kind of together, or was it you guys are in separate pockets and just happen to be going on, and it's now viewed as the, the New England quote-unquote scene?
6: um yeah it did it is it, it's, it's still changing extremely rapidly it's uh, the i have a whole industry the way people are consuming beer um the amount of traffic at tap rooms now just boggles you couldn't have imagined it you know <clears throat> ten years ago no. um definitely i think it, it's probably true in other parts of the country but um I think it's the create, the creativity side of it. Um, you know, we had obviously in New England some some uh good to great producers of beer, um, kind of in that that relatively limited bandwidth, you know, in the nineties, even the two thousands. But I think one brewer that sort of set the stage was Cambridge Brewing, um, doing some of the first barrel-aged stuff, sours. Um, he's always been doing the stuff nobody else is doing, brew Putting sake in, in, in uh, the fermentation, things like that. I think that it was sort of a, one of the nucleuses of, uh, of people being more experimental and less, less traditional because there's a lot of momentum for traditional stuff in, in New England, or at least there was. Mm-hmm. And um, that was expanded definitely by Pretty Things. I think they were a big step. They're the ones who convinced us that people would drink Cezanne. So. <laughs> um, because we always thought, oh, we'd like to just open, you know, uh, a brewery that just does <laughs> sour ales and stuff. And at the time, which was only six years ago, we were like, that's probably not big enough a market, which isn't true anymore. But um, pretty things definitely showed, I think, that you don't have to sort of make the stuff that everybody likes. You can You can be unique, original, you can develop your own real signature flavor in your beer, so that was very inspiring, at least to us and I think to a lot of people and then uh, it really isn't a Boston thing but I think um, the needle really got pushed with Hill Farmstead when they you know, started started uh, up up there and just phenomenal stuff, again with like a very notable signature and I think that's been the, the the impact and the, the recognition of, of that brewery, along with the Alchemist and others, has really, really spawned, yeah,
0: <laughs> you open.
6: know, because now we have Treehouse, Trillium, Night Shift, and many other breweries that are all, you know, pushing it.
2: And with New England, I, and that was kind of like my question when you are kind of touching on pretty things, like, what's it like, like, I, I, I you know, you, you guys, I think of... Um, uh, Oxbow or uh, Allagash or even Pretty Things, uh, outs- being that person inside the hazy New England de facto hop capital of the world, is it is it still, uh, what's it like being in there? It's like, I know a lot of people come through the hop door nowadays with beer. Is it harder, do you think, to turn people on to the yeast aspect of things with that being such a prominent flavor profile from that region? Or is it more just people are so open-minded they'll try anything?
6: Um, people are definitely open-minded, and the average person is more open-minded now. You know, it used to be, hey, I only drink Budweiser, and it's getting to be a little bit like hey, I only drink IPA, but at least it's expanding a little bit. Um, <laughs> in terms of what well, one thing we've discovered uh, recently is that yeast is a key thing in making the New England style of IPA. Like, it's incredibly important, and you get... Drastically different results based on how you do your fermentation, how what yeast strains you're using, and so we've gotten really into that, and that's been huge. Just last week, we've had to turn people away from the door twice. It's just, um, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> so, in terms of the saison, the saison is is we keep growing, making Raynaud and, and then our table beer that that keeps going on and on, you know, up and up. But it's still like way lower than the rest of the market the thing that people definitely are going crazy about is the, uh, the double IPAs
1: and um, sour ales So one of the things too, it's interesting with how you guys got everything going, like you do your brewing off premise and truck it in how, was, yeah. was that something you knew you are going to have to do right off the bat or was that just based on the facility you had and you, you knew you are going to have to go that route or did you always plan on having a kind of separate like that?
6: Uh, it was to try to put the limited amount of money we had to start into the things we thought would make a difference and give us our own signature. Um, spend money on uh, barrels and uh, propagators. We propagate all of our own yeast. Um, we have a little lab, even though you know the first year we did 67 barrels. <laughs> um, so we want to s- sort of take the money and invest in that. And then avoid the cost of a brew house, and um, not sort of hack together a brew house and and get like unsatisfactory results. But you know, build up to that, and then get exactly what we want for what we you know we're putting out.
1: No, I mean it makes a lot more sense. So what what is like the size of the brew house that you're using then?
6: Uh, about twenty barrels of size in hectoliters. But it's uh, basically a 20-barrel system.
2: And are you guys, are you basically making, like, a base wort and then just functifying it with any kind of yeast, your your house yeast, or are you actually messing with the actual, like, wort itself?
6: Uh, Both. So every month right now we do (coughs) a um, kettle sour that we actually run over a weekend, and that's sort of the uh, quick sour, Berliner Weiss type, except that we dry hop it. Um, to get a more unique result out of it, and then uh, with the traditional stuff, we <laughs> brew it and it's all fermented in the barrel, uh, which is a huge mess. <laughs> <We're>, actually, <laughs> hoses everywhere to like guide the uh, the uh, fermentation. So, and we do regular <clears throat> just Saccharomyces fermentations as well as wild bread, etc. So, what? what um, did, and,
1: sorry, go ahead, Bray. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. No, I was just gonna get into like the the, the the distro for you guys, so people know where to find some of your beers. Like, where where is some of that at? Like, where can people find some of these beers?
6: Um, it's it's our tap room has been doing so well that we've almost somewhat oh. retracted, um, but it's <clears throat> it's in <clears throat> lots of great places around Boston. <clears throat> A few of our favorites being <clears throat> Deep Ellum and Row Thirty Four. <clears throat> Um but the we also in, in New York, in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the Hudson Valley. Um, so that's, uh, that, a, that's, that's how also I found been
2: going really well. That's how I found you guys uh, just taking a quick trip up to upstate New York, lower, just outside of Pennsylvania. Oh, thinking,
6: and there's also there's, just, there's there's just just the specialty places around the country where we send beer to the Sheldon brothers. so, oh, you so will then find
2: that their are little drop shipments in specific locations and stuff.
6: Yeah, I don't know about Pennsylvania right now, but I know it's Missouri, California, like all over the place, oh, that's just awesome. small
1: amounts. No, it's cool to see, and you can kind of now it's great too, with those like untapped things. You can kind of find it. You find out then where people are getting your beer at. Yeah, you know, yeah, no kidding. It's 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 crazy. <laughs> so we we have now in the glass like some saison run Um Now one of the things so you you had mentioned when we were talking about the the green bottle because we saw that when we were up there. What, what is there? There was some kind of controversy with that one versus.
6: Yeah, a lot of a lot of. Brewers and a lot of educated <clears throat> lay people have just heard this story ground into that mag- green glass is bad, which is completely true. <laughs> However, it doesn't apply to everything. And what we've found is that when I, with Raynaud, our classic Cezanne, if we put that in a green bottle, some magic happens. Some really good things happen. Some of the things that would be detracting in a lager... Which is where these rules came from,
3: yeah.
6: is actually a positive in in uh, the green bottles. So what we we've you know every run we'll put we'll do some green bottles along with amber. We only serve it at <clears throat> at the brewery behind the counter. People has it under the counter, but that's the only place it is <laughs> because we don't we don't want that thing. Oh, you know, sitting in the cooler with the light on it, whatever. Yeah. just because it, there's. There's no control. Like, if it goes, if it's both old and it's seen a lot of light, it's going to, you know, th- that's when it starts to go the wrong direction. But even when it's fresh, if we hit it with a ton of light, it'll come out nice. It tastes a little bit more dry and aromatic. Isn't, which it, is isn't it more,
2: this is just the armchair fermentation is there. Isn't it And something else, bacteria attaches to the malt and then when it hits hits with light and then that somehow changes things it's, isn't it the basis for like light struck stuff and if you do it a certain way then it actually can produce good things is that or am i totally it, wrong on that one
6: yeah it's the it, it's it's a um <clears throat> it doesn't all have to actually do with the hops but it's basically the, the classic light struck flavor is that sulfur gets attached to parts from the hops from the humulons, and that's not the only thing that happens, which I think yeah. in the context of a Saison is that it creates these nice floral, even some citrusy, like, notes to the deer. And also, so we've te- we tested it when, like, restaurant groups and um, food industry people are coming through, or doing a collaboration, we'll test them, green bottle versus the amber bottle. And so far, 70% have picked the green bottle blind. Oh,
1: wow. wow. <laughs> so... so. So was that something you knew was going to happen, or was it you just happened to have green bottles, and you're like, oh, crap, we got to bottle something, we just stuck it in the green bottle, or was that you, you wanted that, to kind of experiment a little?
6: It came from repeatedly having beers from Europe that we could not replicate, and we were like, what uh, is going yeah. on? Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the, yeah, I'm just thinking about it now, a lot of the um, Belgian, Belgian lighter yeah, beers that come yeah. in the green bottles. Yeah. Um, yeah. The more you know, I feel yeah. star flying over my head right now. <laughs>
1: well, Brian, I thank you so much for taking the time to give us a call today. Uh, it, your beers are phenomenal. When we were up at the brewery, it was beautiful. It was great. We love what you guys are doing and wish nothing but more success and, and continue growing and keep on killing it up there, making Boston proud. All
6: right. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. Cheers. Take it easy. Bye.
1: So, a lot. Of info in that one. I think that was another one of those interviews we could have gone on and gotten yeah. really down and dirty with so much stuff if we had the time yeah, to, so to get into the whole brewing thing.
2: Sometimes interviews feel like they run long. Sometimes they yeah. feel just right and some you're like, damn, I wish yeah. I'd have said more that was
1: There was so much more we could have gotten into with a lot, but it's just it's always tough with that. But For right now, we're going to take a break and we'll be back here on the Beer Geeks with some more great beer from Mystic Brewery.
2: Hi, this is Alex with Road Door Sales Company. The weather is finally warming up and it's time to start improving the exterior of your home. Now, with Clopay and Liftmaster offering rebates until April 30th, you can get Clopay Garage Doors and Liftmaster openers and receive up to $180 back. Remember, Road Door has been taking care of all of your garage door needs since 1968. So call Road Door 570 655 7701. 570 655 7701 or on the web at rowedoor.com. PA
5: 2277
3: Did you know a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-901-9633. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs with no hassle. Never have to clean your machine by hand again. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer, only available by calling 1-800-901-9633. That's 1-800-901-9633. There's a special place where people look for your company where hundreds of people seek your services. A place where
1: plans are made, where wishes are granted. A place where your business can thrive. The Northeast PA Bridal Show at Split Rock Resort in Lake Harmony on Sunday, April 3rd from noon to 4 p.m. Just call Jill at 883-1111 for more information. That's 883-1111. The Northeast PA Bridal Show, April 3rd at Split Rock Resort in Lake Harmony.
0: Are you suffering with hearing loss? Are you sick of people constantly complaining that your TV is too loud? Are you tired of asking people to speak up? Would you like to hear more clearly, but you don't want to wear a hearing aid that makes you look old? Then you need to try Listen Clear, a life-changing breakthrough precisely designed by top audio engineers to fit your ear almost invisibly. And you can adjust Listen Clear to find the perfect way to hear everything, wherever you are, and whatever you're doing. And right now you can try Listen Clear absolutely free, with free shipping. We'll even give you free batteries for life. So call now, 1-800-617-6995. Listen clear is lightweight and completely hassle-free, and it's practically invisible. Call for your 100% free home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now, 1-800-617-6995. That's 1-800-617-6995. 1-800-617-6995.
1: We're, ta- we're discussing our our Boston trip that, that George and I had when we went up to Mystic and, and visited everything. We're trying to figure out some of the beers we had when we were there, and because uh, I mean they're they're just we only have three to try, but I mean when we were up there, I don't remember how many we we had when we were there, and we tried some of their bourbon barrel Age style. Like, there was just so many good beers. And everything, too, it's cool at the brewery. Um, we didn't get to get into that with him, is you can order when you walk in. They have, I'm assuming it's still set up the same way because it wasn't that long ago we were there. But they have a chalkboard and you, you can order pizza at the at the bar. You can order your own pizza and it's delivered off-premise. They bring it in. It's like, it's, and it's a really good pizza, like coal-fired. you
2: ordered pizza at Yep, Mystic Brewing. Yep, okay. Mystic.
1: Well, we got there. We, we, we don't. They copyright you. <laughs> we had already. I think. I think, <laughs> I think at that point we did we we yeah, yeah we had gone to uh, Sam Adams and Trillium, and then we went over to to Mystic. I think that was the order at that day. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, well, we went over there. So. And then we did Lord
6: Hobo uh, later that night.
1: Yeah. Well, we did Sunset Grill later that night which is where i i really dove deep into everything with mystic because they had uh, we didn't get to get into it the interview like when we were talking about the, the hazy ipa like mystic has a version i think it was a triple ipa I believe that's what it was you have it in your own tap i think i don't
3: uh, it was a double i believe was bonus, it okay i don't I, life? I
1: don't remember what it was I had about four of them when we were there 'cause I it was phenomenal. And I just like kept going and when I saw that and I saw it, I'm like, Oh, they didn't have it at the brewery. I'll try one and I just <clears throat> that, that was all I had when we were there. And that was like the bar I used to always go to is like they have an extensive menu. So to stick with one beer at a bar like that really says something about how good something is. Uh but no, it was just a really good beer and like everything we had from them has just been phenomenal. And we're gonna pop open our last one, as I promised, I let you listen to uh the popping this time, watch and not do anything. Oh no! But that was that was like that was
2: a little weaker. That was no, no, that was perfect. No, the other ones were a little louder with everything, but eh, whatever. But uh, no, you're, That's good enough to record and use in, like, shows and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, yeah don't
0: talk yourself down. <laughs> B-roll. That was, that was little good. A little B-roll. could have done B-roll. better, man.
1: <laughs> so this is our last one. And uh, this is one of the ones uh, I'm hoping I pronounce it right. We were, we were discussing before. Uh, Dave Varen. Dave Varen. I, I There's a couple. I, I said to Matt when I was looking at it, I'm trying to pronounce it, and it looks like it says Dave Varn, which made me think of the old Ernest. You know, hey, Vern. <laughs> so to me, that's what I'm calling it. Heyvern. Um, but it's, it's a, this is a wild ale, so this is where we're getting into a little more of the sour characteristics. And it's really impressive for what they do to even get into doing, like having like an IPA and, and getting into all these styles as they're growing, like doing all these things off-premise and bringing stuff in and, and working with what they like. They, they are the quintessential brewery to show... Um, you know, you can make what you have available work for you if you're willing to. And like that's what I think a lot of people talk themselves out of getting into, different businesses and things, because they, they want to start out at a level of this massive, successful company. And it's like, well, if I can't start at that point, then why, why bother? And it's like, you, you can make things work. And this is
2: definitely proof of making things work. And that's the thing, too. Like, a, a lot of times, like, when you're dealing with yeast, especially you're dealing with, like, house yeast and house yeast cultures and the whole nine... It has to mature. So it's mm-hmm. not like you're just like, ah, oh, we have a yeast, let's use it. A lot yeah. of times you have to let it, years of life cycle to go through that you can actually get where you want it to be. Yeah. Um, and then it's interesting because this is sour and it's nice, but it's not overly sour. And I think no. that has a lot to do with, well, he said he was doing, they were dealing with like um, Brett, but they're also dealing with lacto and other things, but I didn't hear him, or not lacto, he said, didn't say lacto, he just said Brett, um, Saccharomyces yeah. and stuff like that. So I think that's why you're not getting an overt kind of super sour out of this. You might just kind of be erring on the side of, like, not super sour.
1: No, it's nice, and it doesn't, because sometimes when you get these uh, that are not as sour they they tend to get that overly barnyard and almost uh aid type and th- this steers clear of that and it just has these a lot of fresh fruit yeah it over. has these like really subtle uh like kind of more decadent flavors with it that are just very not decadent delicate flavors with it that are there um but they're not overly pronounced but you have to kind of really pay attention to kind of pick up on this, but there's like a wide array of flavors. It's not, I wouldn't necessarily just have this and say, this is a sour beer at the bed. It has sour
2: qualities almost. Yeah. This to me, this is, um, This reminds me of like having like a fruit, a fresh fruit kind of cocktail, kind of like eating it, but getting it and letting it sit out for a while and letting it kind of warm up and stuff like that. To where there's like, I mean, obviously you're not going to get fermentation or fermented (laughs) alcohols from a fruit cocktail, but you start to get these kind of more richer, slightly tartar, not just sweet flavors from fruit when they get a little bit more mature Oh, there's a lot. It's nice, and this isn't a... a, The other thing, too, the other
1: two bottles we had were 750 milliliter. This is a 375, so it's a smaller bottle, and it's 6.3. I'm trying to remember from what I looked. 6.5. 6.5, eh. I don't know. Two out of three ain't bad for getting right. (laughs) Uh, 6.5% ABV. And that's the one thing, too, with all their beers. They're fairly light with what we've had. They're not over the top with a lot of stuff. I think the only thing when when we were up there was the... um, bourbon barrel aged. What was that again, George? You were looking at decadent. I think that's what descendant. we... Descendant. Descendant. Was it Descendant?
2: Yeah. I had okay. a beast Descendant before.
1: And that's um, what we, we'd had that on cask up there and that was like a big one, but that was also just very, very easy drinking. I remember like that's the one thing that's nice like with these is you really see that that's the focus for what they want to do. They want to have these flavors, but it just being a very easy drinking light beer. They're not trying to beat you about the head with with flavors, which, you know, you can appreciate that every once in a while when you have something. But I, I personally, for my own
2: preference, I, I love when beers are done just very well balanced and that's the focus. Yeah. I mean, and like this, this is, we do a lot of bigger beers on here yeah. and in our life in general, we do a lot of double IPAs. We do a lot of barrel eight stuff. And like my, I gotten to beer through like the Belgian door. So like sitting here and drinking these beers to me is so easy and comfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just mean just because that's what I'm used to and that's what I get into, but it's just like, not that there's, I love me a powerful double IPA and I love (laughs) a barrel aged beer, but these are almost like, they're part of the conversation. They're not like screaming at you to talk about, they're they're, they're all cohesive together. This is the kind of thing that you would have, like these are very good beers, like even
1: having the name of table beer, like yeah, that's a traditional thing, but that's really what these beers are. Like this is kind of something you sit down at a gathering and have and it's not, uh, something you would have. as I mean, I, I don't want to say this in a slighting way, but it's not something like a, a beer dinner type beer where it's like this really focused. It, it's it's a beautiful beer that can go with a wide array of things, but it's not there to be very bold and and uh, exclaim itself. Yeah. In in a. Annoying way. I guess this is the way I'm trying to get at doing it. It's in a way that you want. You want to be able to experience this beer and enjoy it, but kind of quietly.
2: Like this is a library beer. (laughs) A beer that adds to the experience and makes everything greater as opposed to being the experience Mm -hmm. itself. Yeah, which is a
1: a very good thing. I
2: don't want to sound like it's a slight
1: of anything because I mean, some people think of, you know, if a beer says it's going to have this, they want to have it to the, you
2: know, hundredth degree, which. All right. Well, that's not really sub nine percent. No hops. <laughs> Get that out of my face, fool. Um, but one of the cool one of the cool things I, I've noticed about their beers, and this is just me just getting guess not getting guessing. Well, I'm getting the guessing is. Um, they're all coded individually each bottle i believe oh, so with them doing like um, wild yeast and stuff like that like each one will actually have it looks like a unique code to each one so that maybe they can keep track yeah. of what's going on with each individual beer let's say if a beer goes sideways they can be like okay this is you know you know 50657 do you know what i mean yeah and, yeah uh, what happened in that with that one was it made and where did it come from which i think a lot Every brewery should do that. There's no reason why they couldn't. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, when you start dealing with yeast and stuff like that, you should definitely keep um, a greater track of things like that.
1: It, it's just so interesting, I like, talking to him, to see where things have gone in that region. Like, he said, like, you know, I, I had lived up there 10 years ago. This is vastly different now to go up and to see, like, the Trilliums, the Night Shift, the Mystic, and then everything growing around that, even with the Treehouse and all these other breweries just in Massachusetts, what's been going on, and to see that... they're they're all kind of unique and unto themselves in different ways, like with what they're doing and what they're producing uh, is a really cool thing to have is that experience that they're all kind of working with one another too. It's not, and we see that a lot with craft beer. We see that with a lot of the brewers that we've talked to. It's not, in the craft beer, it's not as much as the bloodbath that people have said it's going to be at some point. You know, business is business and we'll see where everything goes, but it's just, it's a really cool thing to see everybody really supporting one another in that scene, especially right around the Boston area where It's not cheap to get into doing... (laughs) Anything. I mean, whatever you want to open up business-wise, it's not cheap to do that in that region. So to kind of go at this and and have this really nice brewery along with the other things that are going on and then have the support of everybody, because that's the one thing that you can definitely say about that region is they're very supportive of the the local in their backyard. That's what they want to support. And just to see what they're doing to kind of go at it, because it could have been an easy go, especially with the timing that they open, like to just start going out and slam out these IPAs, Build up a following and then kind of get into stuff But it's just this is the route they wanted to go right off the bat
2: and it just goes to show you what you give a poop about is, 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 is what you're going to do in life. Do you know what I mean? Because it, as a brewer, I'm sure, like he said, he was hammering on pale ales. I'm sure he enjoys himself a nice double IPA yeah. with his background in fermentation. He just, he can't help himself. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. got to make these beers and that's, and that's the cool thing about it.
1: Yeah. It's just the way the, the brain's wired and it's just, yeah. he wants to get into that. And, it, and it's also, it's a really cool thing to see that, like that background, you know, we, we've talked to other brewers on here who have, you know, had, a a background that has nothing to do with brewing, that's nothing new, but to have that specific of a background that he was going full on into fermentation, studying that, and then getting into industrial fermentation, and was able to make those connections that eventually led him to get into doing the brewing and everything, which I I cannot help
2: but think of how much that influenced with everything what they're trying to do. But I mean, and when it comes down to it, I know when I hear... You know, grunge band, uh, uh, art, art school, uh, film school no, dropout, drop, yeah. drop and industrial fermentation, I think, of a brewer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it, it's just like a really cool thing to see all these things going on and what they're doing. And, and the beers have all been phenomenal. And the only negative I can say is I wish we got more to try today. That would have been much
2: nicer, but... Ooh, subtle jab. Yeah, I just... Mm, you should <laughs> send more, buddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, it, it, it's not a thing where you should send more. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, you, so you want to yeah, just keep yeah. trying
1: all these. And it's, and it's nice, too, because of them
2: being, like, like,
1: I love finding really good session beers. Like, that's the thing I love, because, you know it's nice to be able to sit down on a Friday night and like have a drink, but sometimes you want on a Sunday afternoon to have a drink, but you don't want that to be the end of the day. Then, you know, you want to be able to have something that's, that's lighter that has those flavors and qualities that you're looking for. And sometimes it's tough. Like there's a lot, I mean, that that's something that has been a buzzword for quite some time in the, in the craft beer world is the whole session insert beer style here. And it's been met with varying success because, what brewers have tried to do, which was you know kind of demanded by the public, was make lighter ABV beers, but when that's your focus, you can kind of lose some of the other things in the, in the way, and we've had those beers that are kind of more watery, because they were trying to really get that low ABV, yeah. and, and it wind up kind of throwing their recipe off a little bit for what otherwise would have been a great beer. But it's nice when you can get that, you have that full flavor,
2: and it has that light ABV. I, I, love, I love huge ABV beers and when I want them. Mm-hmm. And, but here's the thing, nothing impressed me more than when I have a beer, and I'm like, Wow, what is this like ten percent? And they're like, no, this is like five. 6 yeah. five. I'm like, that's what really turns me yeah. on, where you can generate that kind of impact from such a low ABV. Yeah, because that
1: that's really, and not gonna, I don't want to make it sound like I'm slighting, but that's really where it, that the skill of your brewer really mm-hmm. comes in to to do that. And that not all people that are brewers brewers know that it's not a slight, but it could sound like, well, i don't to make a big beer, but. Yeah. And it also has its difficulties in other ways, but it, it, it's really great. Like I love finding that, and you can really showcase. Like to me, that's when you have the showcase beer for your brewer. It's not always going to be this, you know, huge ten percent, you know, IPA or fifteen percent bourbon barrel aged style. Sometimes it's just a really solid four and a half percent, like you know, traditional saison. Yeah, and that's the calling card for you. And we've had breweries on, like I said, when we had two roads, like that was the calling card for them was that really traditional saison? And I think when you have a brewer that you're willing to fully stand behind or you're the owner of the brewer and you stand behind yourself, <laughs> it's just that's really the, the showcase for you is when you can put that out there and proudly stand and say, this is our flagship beer. It's not this ridiculous over-the-top thing. It's just simple, straightforward, and I know you're going to love it. And it's good for everybody. That's the cool thing, too, is these are beers that anybody could drink. It doesn't matter where you're at in the whole craft beer, I don't know game or whatever you want yeah. to call it, like wherever you're at in the chart with everything. with how many, pet- Yeah, there you go. Wherever you're at with how many things you've tried, like it's just you could try these and there's something if you have been in craft beer for years or you're just getting into it, like these are beers that you can try right out of the gate and, and love them. Yeah. And that's really I love when you can have beers like that that just really have a lot of things. So that's going to do it for this week with Mystic and a lot of really cool things going on up in Massachusetts area. So um, much we, good beer coming up. Yeah, yeah and we have, ridiculous. we have a lot of other ones coming up too, which is great. We've been uh, very hashtag blessed with some of the great brewers <laughs> yes. that we're going to be having <laughs> from up in the, uh, the New England region coming up over the next two months. There's some really cool things. So you'll be seeing more about that as we get closer and closer to it. So this is not the last you're going to be hearing of some great Ma- uh, Massachusetts brewers. Uh, next week, we're going to have a little special kind of Easter show Thing we're still putting together. What we're gonna be doing for that one, we'll figure it out. Yeah, so maybe a a brewery, maybe uh, a surprise. Yeah, you'll find out. It's like
2: that egg that you 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 hunt in the back of your yard. You open up, you don't know what's gonna be inside. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) You will enjoy it though. How about that? Yeah, except (laughs) if there's like a candy corn or something weird in there. We're we're not gonna give you a candy. corn. We're not giving
1: you any of those Mary Jane candies that nobody likes and breaks sugar (laughs) daddies up in this piece. (laughs) All right, till next week, everybody. Cheers, cheers.